This time on Slaughterhouse Princess, The Wicker Man. From the writer of Frenzy and Sleuth, Anthony Schaefer's incredible occult thriller. Now, I homebrew, and I'm from Iowa, so I really know about rings of corn and rings of barley. Welcome to Slaughterhouse Princess. I'm Chris. And I'm Troy. And right. there's 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 no hot Lana. Bueller. Bueller. Okay, anyway. Yeah, there's no hot Lana. Because hot Lanta is not. I have nothing. Man, nothing. it's a great start to a podcast, guys. Let's the way good. to go. Yeah. Good. We're starting off I on the right foot. All cylinders. Yeah, all one of them. <laughs> all none of them today, apparently. Well, but you know, I did my job for this podcast already because I suggested the movie, The Wicker That's Man, from 1973. Yeah, the good one, not the other one. Not the Nicolas Cage one. Not that he can't be in a good movie because, like, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, good movie. He's in it. As a voice. Yeah. And Con Air, also an enjoyable movie. He even stars in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Face Off has its charms. It does. Um, apparently, Leaving, Las- Leaving Las Vegas was a good movie, but I despised it. But then again, I watched it as a 17-year-old, so I probably did not get it. Yeah, I don't think you were the target audience. <laughs> uh, but yeah Nick, Nicholas Cage is not in this movie it is instead Christopher Lee that is in this movie mm-hmm. and Michael Caine who? he's the policeman no he's not like Woodward or something is that dude's name Woodward, Woodsmith I don't know Wood- I've lost it, apparently. He is not Michael Caine, I promise you that. (laughs) I'm also not firing on all cylinders. (laughs) But Christopher Lee is 100% in this movie, as is uh, Britt Eklund. Yeah. She played Mary Mary Goodnight in the James Bond movies. And I just have to say, Christopher Lee is rocking a, a a very haircut. Yes, it is a very haircut. But well, we, we should get into that later, though, Chris. We should start this podcast how we always start it, with the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's a, there's a policeman. Nope. Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter flying his airplane while apparently listening to a rockin' 70s folk music soundtrack. Yeah, you know, like you do. With some dude singing about rings of corn and rings of barley. <laughs> and he uh, he got an anonymous letter that told him to go to this uh, remote island because there's the, some girl missing. The Isle of Summer Isle. And uh, they make, like, apples and stuff. Or grow them, I guess. They don't make them. 
No, yeah, no, they don't. They don't sit there and like handcraft apples or anything, Chris. Come on, or handcrafted artisanal apples. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're craft apples. And uh, so he heads off to go check it out. You know, get to the bottom of this. So he gets there and uh, sees that things are slightly off. I love that the first thing is, so he's like flying like a seaplane, right? So it's got like the, it just lands on the water and floats there and he throws the anchor and he's like, hey, can you send that dinghy to pick me, to, to come get me? And they're all like, nah, bruh. Like, this is, this is private property, dude. Like, you don't belong here. And he's like, but I'm a police officer. They're like, that's great, but no. And he's like, but no, I'm a police officer on an official investigation. Send me the fucking dinghy before I burn your island down. And they're like, oh, okay, I guess we can let you on then. Well, in that case... Yeah. And then so, he's all like, have you seen this girl? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which makes him sound like the Terminator from Terminator 2. <laughs> but <laughs> they're like, nope, never seen her. Don't know, don't know that name. There's no one named Rowan Morrison here. Like, I've never seen her before in my life. Yeah. Like, Well, apparently her mother is May Morrison. Like, oh yeah, she totally owns the post office up the road there. You should go check, talk to her. But still don't know any Rowans. Sorry. Yeah. That was a post office? Supposedly, but all I saw was them selling weird candy animals. Yeah. I thought it was like some kind of candy store. Like, or maybe a general store, but supposedly it was a post office because they say it there and then there's like a, a register or ledger somewhere where they also say that it's like May Morrison, the post office or something later in the movie. So uh, mom's no help. So he heads to the local uh, inn, tavern establishment. Well, he does talk to the 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 mom's daughter, who is also a Morrison, whose name I did not catch. That starts with an M. But and she's like, "Oh yeah, Rowan's out running around in the fields." And he's like, "Oh really?" He's like, "Well yeah, she's a she's a hare. Like they're not rabbits, Chris. They are hares." Yeah. A common mistake. Hares. These are March hares. They're not fucking rabbits. Well, they, they make that point a couple of times in the movie. Yeah. They they don't want you to split hairs. No. Although they they probably do split a fair number of hairs there. Probably. They probably spatchcock them. That sounds and, obscene. It does sound obscene, but it is not. You should do that to your turkey at Thanksgiving. And not that I've ever done it, but it's definitely a method for cooking it better. Uh, but yeah, but then he's like, oh, okay, you're just a crazy girl telling me stories then, so I should move on. Yep, and he heads to the, the local inn tavern, which is weird for a place that's basically isolated, but whatever. Well, I guess the people who have to come and buy the apples from them need a place to stay. Yeah. And uh, everybody is, uh, they're quite the raucous bunch at the inn. Well, they've all been drinking all of the liquors and the beers. Yeah, and they're singing their uh, folk songs. About the landlord's daughter? 
Yeah. And he's totally into it, and so is she. So that's cool, I guess. Well, the landlord and the daughter are not so much uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter doesn't care for any of the chicanery. Nope. Although we did get to hear about how the the best part of landlord's daughter's body is between her left big toe and her right big toe, which I thought was a clever lyric, I guess. Yeah. Same by uh, several old men. Yeah, yeah, you kind of get the impression that the landlord is like, yep, my daughter's hot. If she wasn't my daughter, I'd be thinking about her, too. <laughs> and it's Which is just, does not sit right with the constable. Yeah, and he's, uh, so he's kind of looking around, notices that there's pictures hanging on the wall of all their harvest festivals, I guess. Yeah, like the, the, Whatever the princess of the harvest, whatever the the girl that's they take the picture with, I don't know if she wins a beauty contest or what, but she uh, is the harvest queen, I guess, and all the bounty of the harvest around her. They take a picture of it, but then there's one. The last year's is missing. Yeah. So uh, he heads outside to see a bunch of people doing it in a field. Yeah, which he uh, apparently takes offense to. Great being offense. A, being a staunch member of the Church of England that he is. Quite right. So yeah, he immediately heads back inside and is like, eh, I'm going to head to my room now. And heads up um, outside a little bit later, Christopher Lee has some guy with him, a young man. Well, no, we we skipped the Maypole stuff. Probably. We glossed over the Maypole, Chris. I I don't ever want to be accused of glossing over the Maypole. Yeah. So, uh, but I think earlier in the day he was he was wandering around, and there were a bunch of guys, a bunch of boys around the Maypole, and their male teacher was leading them in this song about how the uh, there's a man, he does it with a woman, and he gives her the seed, and that makes a boy, which makes which turns into a man, which then makes a grave, which then they, they plant a tree in, and that makes a tree, and that's how they get the maypole. So, and then they all dance around it. And it's a, it's a nice, like, it's a nice jaunty folk song as they sing it. And he's, but he's, you know, but the, the puritanical, you know, Sergeant Slaughter guy is like, hmm, they meant, they, they reference sex to young boys. This does not sit right with me. And then he moves on to the, the schoolhouse and the teach the female teacher there is teaching all the girls, all the girls there, you know, like about how the maypole is a phallic symbol and that it's representative of the male generative force and oh my god does he have a problem with that yeah he really really doesn't like that no he like basically like threatens to like call like cps on her. yeah shut this place down yeah and so and then they he figures out that there's one empty desk there in the middle and there's there's a nice little um foreshadowing bit with a beetle 
tied to a nail, and apparently the beetle can only go in one direction. So it just goes around and around and around until it like winds itself up against the nail and gets stuck, which I think is foreshadowing for later. And then, but he finds out that that's actually Rowan's desk after going back through the register of children. And he's like, but everybody tells you somebody that Rowan isn't here. And she's like, and the teacher plays like Obi-Wan Kenobi and is like, well, in a manner of speaking, from a certain point of view, and uh, explains the whole how, like, you know, when you die, you know, your body goes into the soil, but then your spirit goes out into the land, and it's blah, blah, blah. It's a very um, non-Christian point of view is what it is. Yeah, incredibly. Yeah. And, yeah, and then he goes to the, well, he calls it a, a churchyard, and she's like, well, it's not really a churchyard because that church isn't used as a church anymore. And he's like, but whatever, there's graves there. I'm going to go look at them. And he finds a Rowan's grave with a Rowan tree planted on top of it, and then there's a bit of, you think, might be like a red streamer at, or red ribbon at first, but it turns out it's her umbilical cord that they tied onto the tree after she died, because that's like you do. That that's definitely a thing. Yeah, I mean, like, did she who, just? Did they not cut those off? Did she just have it, just hanging there still, or did they keep them in a drawer somewhere? Well, I mean, I don't think you're one to talk about keeping things in drawers by your bed, Chris. Uh, I believe there is a Chris fact about that. And, um, but no, I guess they probably preserve it somewhere to use for when you die, they, so they can hang it on your tree. Like you do. I guess maybe it's like a rebirth symbol, like symbol of rebirth. That makes sense. I mean, you know, I mean, it's not like people have died on wooden objects before and then been reborn later in certain mythologies. So, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, he's had enough of all this nonsense, and he goes to find old uh, the oh, Lord. You, Chris, you're glossing over the whole point of him staying at the inn at night. What to hear to hear them people doing it? No, well then, but then when he goes upstairs and the landlord's daughter says good night to him, Willow is her name, says good night to him, and then she does her little like song and dance striptease in her room, pounding on the wall, trying to get him to come in and spend the night with her. Now that happens later. No, it happens that night. Cause then the, the next night is when they use the hand of glory. Now that's when he comes back when he was going to leave. Okay. We'll have to agree to disagree. You know what listeners? Watch the movie and figure out which one of us is right, and then tell us that I was right. Possibly neither. <laughs> no, tell no, tell us I was right. I didn't say tell say which one was right. No, tell them tell us I was right. Come on, Chris, pay attention. I'm trying. <laughs> 
long as no one like presumably there's not like a naked woman singing and dancing pounding on your garage door trying to get you to come out to see her no no i probably wouldn't go out there if there was such a thing occurring that's the only allowable distraction i'm going to uh accept for this podcast that's fair but anyway at some point he goes and he wants to zoom Rowan's body, so he needs Christopher Lee's permission because he's the justice of the peace and Lord Summer Isle and rocking a haircut. Yeah, he is. It's a bold statement. A B O W L E D statement? I suppose. It's kind of shaggy, though. It's not really like a bold cut. No, no. And uh, he recounts the tale of his grandfather, noted scientist, his grandfather, who came to the island because he came up with a bunch of new strains of fruits and vegetables that he thought would do well in the weird climate there. Something about volcanic ash and... Yeah, Yeah, volcanic soil combined with the Gulf Stream, like the warm current that comes up from the south. Means that they should they he was planning on growing like tropical stuff there or at least more more southerly stuff than you usually would imagine in Scotland. Yeah, and uh, he was the one who kind of brought the whole pagan thing over and got everybody on board with that. Well, yeah, because originally like they weren't doing so well, and he was like, "Well, it's not because." It's not because of the crops, because of your religion. If you go back to the, you know, your your pre-Christianity ways, you know, back when things were prosperous, then the island will flourish. And he was basically just using it as a way to get them to work for him. Yeah. But it turns out Christopher Lee's dad, Mr. Lee, um, kind of bought into the whole religion thing and kept it going and kind of grew it until finally Christopher Lee inherited it, and here we are. Mm-hmm. Which, which involves, you know, like, young maidens stripping naked and dancing around a fire and then jumping over it, hoping to be impregnated by the fire. Yeah. And they're naked because you wouldn't want to jump over a fire with clothes on. That'd be dangerous. Yeah, you catch your fucking shit on fire that way. <laughs> and uh and then uh, and and then when when uh Sergeant Slaughter has a problem with that, he's like, "Look, I mean, they'd rather get pregnant with a god's child than with a human's child." And then Sergeant Slaughter's like, "Really? A god like Wait, what are you what are you talking about? Like pregnancy without sex? That's impossible." And and then Christopher Lee's like, "But you believe in a religion?" That says that happened. So why are you freaking out about this so much, you asshole? Yeah, it's kind of one of the core tenets of your belief system, buddy. Yeah. And Christopher Lee's like, you know, nobody murdered anybody. That's not a thing that would happen here. Go ahead, have fun. Dig up your corpse. And so he, uh, he gets local... Grave digger guy to help him out, digs up the corpse, finds just a hair. 
Dave Matthews, Gravedigger. And when I say finds a hair, I mean, like, I know, I know. I'm just, I was just not going to acknowledge Dave Matthews. Oh, yeah, I generally don't. But sometimes, Dave Matthews band, I will not acknowledge. Dave Matthews, I acknowledge once. Right now? Yes. (laughs) That's your one. That's my one. Grave digger. So uh, they dig up the the coffin. It's got a hair in it, like the animal, not like a a hair, like a strand of hair. I mean, but granted, the hair did have a lot of hair on it. Yeah, it was a hairy hair. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. H. And uh, so Sergeant Slaughter takes the hair, busts back into old uh, Christopher Lee's house and throws it at him. And he's like, hey, you know what? This ain't funny. I'm going to bring down the full wrath of the law to this place. Because I don't think y'all are being on the level. And then they they talk about how Rowan would have liked the the symbolism of the transformation because she always loved hairs and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. There's always like a religious bent to everything that uh, they talk about with Christopher Lee which I yeah. kind of enjoy. It's just not Christianity. So, uh, Sergeant Slaughter decides he's going to bust into the local, uh, chemist slash photographer shop to see if he can find that, a uh, mysterious missing picture. I mean, that's probable cause, right? I mean, I told it was on the up and up. I didn't see no warrant. Well, that's why you need probable cause, Chris, because you you have probable cause. You don't need a warrant. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, pictures could exist in that photographer's place, so you might as well bust in. I mean, and he's looking for a picture, so obviously. Oh, that's scan. That's fair. I mean, I live in America, so that seems totally like a thing a cop would do to me. Yeah. <laughs> he shouts, it's coming straight for us, and then, like, yeah. He yells it's he's he yells it's got a gun and he kicks the door open. <laughs> so uh he finds the picture with Rowan from last year's festival and turns out they didn't do so hot. Nope. I I did think it was a nice touch that they uh, uh had a bunch of overturned crates instead of <laughs> nothing. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, if nothing else, the guy was a professional, and he was like, the framing on this is bad. We need a little something in there to spice it up. Yep. They're like, let's just let's overturn this crate. Maybe it look like someone just got angry that there was not enough produce and kicked it. And uh, Sergeant Slaughter thinks back to a conversation. He's like, wait a second. I'm going to do some research because I think I heard that guy say something about sacrifices maybe or not. I don't know. I was too busy throwing around dead animals, but. <laughs> or watching naked maidens jump through a fire. So he heads to the local public library, which seems like an extravagance on this tiny island, but. I mean, Chris, my we have a local bike trail that has a lending library on it. So, you know, I could see how they would have this. And, uh, 
Apple money coming in. <laughs> yeah, they are they are big Apple. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Buy stock in Apple, kids. I mean, maybe not now. No, probably not now. But back in 1973... Yeah, that would have been a good time to get in on that. Yeah. <laughs> so if you ever find yourself back in time, maybe That's pick right. up some Apple. Some Disney. A little, little Amazon probably wouldn't hurt. Yeah. Microsoft. Yeah. But that peaks like at $37 after that. Just sell it. Yeah. Anyway. So he uh, he finds the book of rituals, I guess. And he learns that it, normally, you know, you just sacrifice some chickens or goats or whatever, and it's all good. But if shit goes real bad, you got to use a people. Yeah, because people got all the power. Power to people, Chris. Yeah. And Sergeant Slaughter says, well, that, that tears it. They're keeping her somewhere so they can sacrifice her for the harvest. On May Day, and he goes through the whole May Day ritual, reading like any for some reason reads it out loud to the, or he exposits it yeah, while he's reading it to the librarian lady. Yeah, like oh, there's this whole ritual where there's the the leader of the town or the priest dresses up as a man woman, uh, which I think would also be called a mystic hermaphrodite, at least in the past. And then, you know, the, there's a dude dressed up as like a hobby horse and he chases the maidens around. And then there's Punch, who is the fool archetype, you know, like in the tarot. And then there's like the six swordsmen who ritually like, quote unquote, behead someone as a sacrifice after they form like a star of David with their swords or and then there's and the and then you know and that's how the May Day ritual goes. And the whole time everyone's going like, you know, I wouldn't be here for May Day because you know you're not gonna like that ritual. Blah blah blah. Like everybody always tries. Everybody's trying to convince me he wants to leave the island before May Day. Whenever he talks to them, yeah. Like you know what? Fuck you. I'm gonna be here for May Day. And I just like to add, I like when they cut back to the librarian lady who's looking at him as he's saying all this shit, like, dude, I'm 65, I've lived here my entire life, I know this. Yeah. Why, are you, why are you fucking telling me this, dude? I get it. Did you, hey, Chris, did you know that you can, like, record your voice on the internet and people will listen to it and they call them podcasts? Well, people listen to it is debatable, but... <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, we have ones of people who listen to this. <laughs> Dozens, possibly. Possibly, literally Possibly. dozens. Yeah, on a good on a good episode, it's dozens. But so, never uh, dozens of dozens. So this would be when the seduction actually happens. For the record, mm. that I night think you're wrong, but that's fine. And so he uh, he gets up the next day, and he goes to get back into his plane, but his plane won't start. It's been sabotaged. By the Beastie Boys. Yeah. So uh, Sergeant Slaughter says, well, the only logical conclusion I can come to is to kick open every door and ransack everybody's house. Because I'm going to find Rowan with a door-to-door search because there's no way they can move her in front of me or anything. Yeah, it's impossible. 
He is one person, after all. Yeah, he is a one-man searching machine. A one-man army. An army of one. And um, it doesn't go well. He, uh, you know, doesn't find much. uh, Surprises a naked lady in the world's weirdest, like, bathtub thing. (laughs) And people fuck with him constantly, like, one girl pretends to fall out of the co- out of a like a wardrobe dead, and then gets up and laughs and runs off. Laughs at him and runs off. Yeah, and I'm uh, like, how long is that kid in there just waiting for this? I don't know. And then uh, one dude like he finds this dude's costume for the May Day festival, and it's the salmon of wisdom. <laughs> uh, salmon, the salmon of knowledge is my spirit. Animal. Oh yeah, the salmon of knowledge, and you're like, hmm. One, I mean, do they have salmon in Scotland? I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with like the salmon like on the west coast of the United States and Canada. Is that a thing anywhere else? That's a fair question. I, I don't I don't know. Like, it's entirely possible there's like European salmon that I don't know about, but Pacific Northwest salmon is what I think of when I think of salmon. I guess maybe there's Japanese because the sockeye salmon, I think, are from Japan, maybe. I don't know. That could be a way off. Who the fuck knows? I know. Professional so, people know. A, uh, a quick Fisherman. Google search says that there are indeed salmon in Scotland. Okay. There we go. Salmon of knowledge. Yeah, knowledgeable salmon. Yeah, they're very smart salmon over there. I like to pick all of oh, the of course, animals. Of course there is, because there's a salmon ladder at Pilocri Dam. I should have known that. I'm an idiot. I literally like was in Scotland and visited a dam where they had a salmon ladder for the salmon to go up. So, yes, there are, there are definitely salmon in Scotland. I like uh, to think that all the animals that people were dressed up as had their own, you know, name, like the badger of discontent and like the... No, it's the badger of not giving a shit. Uh, there's the elk, or there's no, I'm sorry, there's the goat of consumption? I don't know. It's a solid bit we're working with. Yep, we're, we're, we're professionals. Oh, uh, so anyway, he's, uh, he's had a busy morning of running around and having kids fall out of armoires at him. <laughs> and uh, he heads back to the tavern because he needs some whiskey stat. And uh, says he needs to take a quick power nap. He's going to go up to his room for exactly 30 minutes and he is not to be disturbed. And uh, so he heads up to take the nap. And this is when they hit him with the old... Uh, uh, well, they call tried it? With the hand of glory. Yeah. Yeah, which is made from like a, an executed criminal's hand, and led the. Le- I I actually love that they they worked this into the movie because like the legend is it's supposed to keep everybody in the house who's asleep asleep. So like criminals would use them to like ransack houses while people were asleep and things like that. In legends, and. Uh, and I like they try to use it in this one, but he didn't fall asleep. So when it, they when they act when they light it up, it doesn't keep him asleep because he wasn't asleep. And uh, 
he decides to bludgeon the uh, tavern keeper who is the fool in the festivities. You know, yeah. punch. With like a candlestick, like a fucking like solid looking candlestick. Yeah, the guy's probably he probably died. He should have. I mean, he should have. He didn't because he wakes up later in the movie. But yeah, yeah. Like, he's suffering like severe concussion at this point. So he uh, he dresses up as Punch and heads down to take part in the uh, festival where they're going to. Uh... And Chris... well, they're going to do the whole Mayday Parade thing. And I would like to say that Christopher Lee is not the prettiest man woman I've ever seen. Um and also that the hobby horse looked like the dude had a wooden dick with teeth. Yeah, it was a weird design. Yeah. It was very phallic. Instead of a horse's head, it was more of a mushroom head. But that's fine. And oh I so Chris, did you are you familiar with the tradition of like May baskets? No. Okay, good. There's another weird Iowa tradition that I have that apparently no one else has. <laughs> so, and I, actually, I think this maybe harkens from Scandinavia somewhere, but at least in Iowa, at least when I was a kid, it was a thing where you would make like a little basket like with candy and whatnot in it, you know, and you would leave it on people's doorsteps and basically you ding-dong ditch them. So, you'd, you know, you'd put it at their doorstep, you'd ring the doorbell and run off, on May 1st, and that was, you know, did you give me baskets that way? And we never, like, delivered them, but, like, you know, like, in elementary school, like, the teacher would give everybody a May basket or something. But, again, that was, like, I was wondering if that was one of those weird traditions that I had that other people didn't, and apparently it is. Much like telling a joke to get candy on Halloween, and not on Halloween, on October 30th, which is, we call beggars night in a not quite politically correct manner. So. Iowa yeah. sounds wild. We, we be having traditions that other people don't be having. Much like the Isle of Summer Isle. So, um, you know, they do the thing, they have their little parade where everybody's dancing around wearing their masks. Christopher Lee keeps yelling at Sergeant Slaughter to be a better fool. Yeah, because, like, the dude, so he's got, like, this, like, rubber bladder, like, some kind of bladder on the end of, like, a rope, on, on the end of a stick. That he's supposed to, like, he, he's supposed to be, like, capering about and acting the fool. But good old prim and proper Sergeant Slaughter can't bring himself to, you know, like, act, act like a goofball. So he kind of, like, just half-heartedly whacks people with it occasionally. And then just kind of skips and swings it about lazily. And that's the whole of his performance as Punch. Yeah. His uh, his heart was super in it. Yep. And like the girls would run up and like then turn their back, their butts to him. And he was supposed to whack him on the butt. Mm-hmm. And he'd just kind of be like, oh, like just like just kind of like, oh, okay. Punk. And then he'd be like, run off. It was great. <laughs> And I was like, I think you're supposed to whack him a bit harder than that, buddy. But he he was not going to go there. So they, uh, they end up at their bootleg Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the stone. Well, yeah. And that's where they play 
the sword pentagram head chop game. It's a six sided star, not a five star five sided star, Chris. That's not a pentagram. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, everybody has to put their head up in there and then the guys either do or do not close the the hexagon of death on their necks. Yeah, while everybody's chanting like, chop. Yeah, and then Christopher Lee, like, because, you know, Sergeant Slaughter's kind of hanging back because he doesn't really want to get his head cut off. And Christopher's like, no, go on, go on, get in there. You know, it's a game of chance. I'm like, how is it a game of chance? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not like... <laughs> It's not like they're rolling a die to see, like, oh, do I cut your head off? Nope. Okay, you're good. No, or, or it's just like, is it just like the 30-second person they're going to cut the head off of? Yeah, and they, you have to, but you don't know what the number is they do? Yeah, they like, drew a number game earlier. Of chance? Everybody has a number, and they drew a number out of a hat earlier. So whoever was 42 sucks for them. But Yeah. I was like, but come on. But, yeah, they do cut off someone's head only – that was a, it was like, you know, they, it was like a mascot head. So at the, uh, oh, am I back now? Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, so it was like a mascot head where like their head wasn't in the head. Their head was below the neck. Yeah. And so they just beheaded the mascot and it was all great fun and everyone laughs. It was classic Holly. They all said. Yeah. Oh, Holly. And uh, they head down to the beach afterwards to uh, give libations to the ocean. Yeah, which, oh my God, my heart, like, that was the most horrific part of this movie was when they take that hogshead of ale and then they take an axe, cut a hole in it, and then roll it into the ocean and just waste all that beer. Fuck them. And uh, that's revealed, finally, that uh, the girl whose name escapes me, Rowan, Rowan, she's uh, you know, like Rowan, like Mr. Bean. Oh, right, of course. That'll be a handy mnemonic. Yeah. And uh, she's there, and she's like, "Oh crap, help me out, man!" Like, I don't want to get murdered. And he, uh, diddly erdler. He comes to her aid. The ruse is over. He uh, punches a guy, grabs her, they take off through a cave. Yeah, which is where I wonder if they got that whole, whole bit with uh, Nicolas Cage punching people in the new Wicker Man movie was because he punched one dude yeah. in this movie. and he was wearing a costume. Not a Granted, bear costume, a, but... No, not a bear costume, no. It was a punch costume. Yeah. Which I kind of wish they'd been like, punch, get it? Ha ha ha, and then run off. <laughs> So uh, they escape through the cave, but then Christopher Lee and company are waiting for him. And Rowan's like, did I do it right, guys? And they're like, yeah, you totally did it. And uh, Two Sar- thumbs up. Sergeant Slaughter's like, what? And they're like, yeah, man, it was it was all a trick. This this whole thing, start to finish. It was all a ruse. Yep, cause we needed a virgin, we, we needed a virgin sacrifice who resonated with the, the archetype of the fool so that when we sacrificed you, it regenerate the lands. And so you obviously are a virgin because you don't believe in sex before marriage. And we led you merrily down the path of the fool because 
you followed every single one of the clues we laid out in front of you, but couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. And the whole time started slaughters, but like, like, like everybody wake up. Like if, if you sacrifice me and things don't get better, you're going to have to sacrifice Christopher Lee next. Cause he's the leader and blah, blah, blah. Basically like, don't sacrifice me, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did like the fact that his this devout Christian man's first thing was like, hey, did you ever stop to think maybe it's a shitty place to grow apples? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, that's actually a fair point. Seems weird science with your trump card in this, but... <laughs> well, you know, science is the refuge of fools, Chris. So they, uh, they grab him, and they take him up to the uh, titular wicker man. Which is which a has great... like a duck in it and a sheep in it and a pig in it and like like just built into the wicker man. Yeah, like in in its arms and it's like uh like neck shoulder and... area. Yeah, and the torso though is reserved for Sergeant Slaughter. Yep, and they throw him on in, and uh, they start singing a delightful little folk song as they light him on fire. And then he tries singing some Christian hymn at them. And he cries out to Jesus to save him. And I do like how Christopher is like, you know, I've given you like the greatest gift you could get in, in like millennia at this point, because I'm giving you the chance to die as a martyr for your religion. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, isn't that the best you could hope for guy? Yeah. I mean, you're going to have like a seat in heaven if you do that. Right. And he's like, I know, don't sacrifice me, bro. Yeah. An interesting point, a counterpoint, that I don't want that. <laughs> and so, yeah, they burned the motherfucker down. Yeah. And that's it. Yep. And they don't really ever go into the fact of whether or not that worked, which I kind of like. Yeah. Nice ambiguous ending. Like yeah. So, Chris, mm-hmm. what did you think of the movie? I really like it. It's uh, just from the second he shows up on the island, the, it just feels weird in a like a in your gut. Everybody acts like people. They talk like people. They have houses, and you know they go about their lives. But everything's just a little bit off, and it does a good yeah, job. It's like a cultural uncanny valley. Yeah. And and Sergeant Slaughter does a pretty good job of just really believably being befuddled by everything. Where he's just kind of like, wait, what? No. Because I'm a cop. That's why. What the hell? Don't you guys know what that is? Yeah, because everyone's like, "Uh, I need the permission of... uh Lord Sumrall before I can give that to you. And he's like, no, you don't. I'm a fucking police officer. I didn't in an active investigation. <laughs> and like, are you sure I don't need his permission? And it just, it's, it's a, it's a good tense thriller. Not, not a very much of a horror movie for sure, but it's, it's always cranking up the suspense a little by little. And it just, the whole thing has kind of a weird, dreamy quality to it. 
and the ending is is pretty good for what it is it resonates a lot more than it seems like it should as like uh this is an uh the comp the culmination of this conflict between these two people's ideologies and i don't know if there's something really uh really interesting about the the whole thing when it's all put together it's a tight 90 minutes which is kind of weird it doesn't suffer from your average 70s movie thing where the pacing is super off I mean, the pacing is kind of weird, but that's intentional, I think. Yeah, I think it adds that dreamlike quality you were talking about. But yeah, I say definitely give this one a go. Just make sure it's this one and not the one with Nicolas Cage. It deserves its place as one of the uh, greats in British thriller slash horror. What do you think, Mr. Troy? I... I like this movie. I suggested it. So usually I only suggest things I enjoy <laughs> unless I want to fuck with you guys. And I didn't want to fuck with you this time. Um, yeah, I really like this. I, I like that. It's a religious horror movie that isn't about Christianity. It's not about the devil and Satan and God and demons. And, you know, it's, it's about something different. It's a different religion. It's kind of, pokes at the idea of, you know, like just the, like the monoculture that, that kind of appears, you know, that has kind of sprung up in like Britain and the U S and like Europe. Like we kind of, you know, we don't really tolerate things outside of what we consider like our normal culture. And this is definitely outside of our normal culture, just from the fact that it is a different religion. And it's not like, and it's not a monotheistic religion, which I think is part of the issue, part of the, uh, the what makes it slightly more unsettling. Because you you kind of lose your frame of reference in this movie, which I think is kind of where that dreamlike quality comes from. Because people approach things completely differently in their outlook on things, like their outlook on death, their outlook on life, their outlook on sex, you know, and how to get a good harvest and. Everything is, it's like the, it's like you have a puzzle, but all the pieces are shaped wrong for the picture. And you're like, wait a second, how do I make these all fit? And you, and if you grew up like in a, like a Judeo-Christian or maybe, and maybe even Muslim, I'm not so certain on that. But if you grew up like with like a U.S. like Christian background, this movie is just, it's, there's a lot that's just unsettling and off to it because it just fucks with your whole, the whole, the whole frame of reference is wrong and it's great. Um, I like that Christopher Lee kind of pulls a few, um, like debate tricks with, with the guy and kind of calls him on some of the bullshit, lot the logical inconsistencies in Christianity. Um, but it doesn't really address any of his logical inconsistencies if there are any. So, Yeah. But you know he doesn't need to argue his against his side. So I kind of like that. Um, I just like that they're like, no, we need to sacrifice this dude. And I mean, and they warn him off multiple times. They're like, you should not be here on May Day. You really should not be here on May Day. You don't be here on May Day. 
and he's he's there on May Day, and so they're like, well, we warned you that's and you went against it. That's just another thing about being the fool, you know, that archetype, and archetypes have power, so we're just going to harness that power to to regenerate our land now. So thanks, I guess. Um, you know, I, it kind of has a feeling, the feel of, I don't know, there's a role-playing game called Unknown Armies that kind of addresses kind of things like archetypes having powers and such. And that kind of really, kind of really resonated with me there too. So I, maybe I get a little bit extra enjoyment out of it from that. Uh, I know I really love this movie. I think, I think it's amazingly well done. And the whole, I think it's a horror movie because when you get to the, you get the part where Rowan says, you know, basically when they hand him over and they have the big reveal, the big twist as to what's going on. Like if you go on the same, the same journey with him, like I, cause the first time I watched this, I did. And I was like, Holy shit. Like, like just the bottom fell out of my stomach. And I was like, Oh, this dude is fucked. And that I think is where like the horror really hits. Because you're like he did everything right, he was doing his job, he was following the clues. I mean, he was you know he was following his faith, he was following his he was following science, he was following his faith, he was following his culture. Like he did everything right, as far as you know, like as you know, a, an American or you know a British monoculture kind of person would would think. And it turned out to be completely wrong and ended up dooming him in the end. And that was, I think that's the huge, the horror in it for me. So I, I love this movie. Um, I also suggest listening to the faculty of horror podcast about this movie because it's also very informative uh, and has definitely a very different interpret, a very different reading of it, or at least they dig into different things and different motifs and themes in the movie. So I recommend that as well. But what are we watching next week, Chris? Next up is Prom Night 2, as suggested by Dummy Act. And of course, we have not watched Prom Night 1, because why would we watch the first movie before watching the second movie? We do like to do that. We do. And I know I think we've had Happy Death Day to you suggested. But I think we'll watch Happy... We'll, we'll get to that later, but I think we'll, we won't want to watch that one first, because that wouldn't make any sense. So, Troy, what if people want to, uh, you know, check out more stuff or contact us or whatever? How do they do that? You track down Brett, and you get a cattle prod, and you zap him with that until he tells you how to do it. That sounds good. But, yeah, I probably shouldn't I probably shouldn't advocate violence against Brett. So if you go to SlaughterhousePrincess.com, there's pretty much links to all of our social media there as well as our store, our Discord server, and our Patreon. And I'd like to welcome Christian LeBlanc to the Discord server. I think he is our newest Discord member. Mm -hmm. Uh, And everyone who hasn't been on Discord has missed the fact that I have been home alone without internet for the last three days. So I've been watching Blu-rays that I received from uh, the Horror Pack. And it's been a mixed bag. But I've been I've uh, been randomly choosing which one to watch and giving a short critique on it afterwards. So hopefully people have been enjoying that if they were on Discord. Uh, and if not, you should join the Discord because 
God knows of my, or the sun God or the God of, the God of internet knows that I will be cut off at some point again. I'll probably have to do this once more. So come back next time for prom night too. And while other podcasts think about movies, we will be sacrificing our livers to alcohol for movies. Bye. I think my favorite James Wan movie is Aquaman.